You're listening to The Dog Ate My Homework, a podcast with me, Melanie Doppler of Math Coach Connection. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this third grade division episode. In this episode, we are going to break down one of the most commonly frustrational concepts in elementary math, division. Think back for a moment to when you were a kid. What does division make you think of? How does it make you feel? For me personally, I remember dreading anything involving division. I always struggled with long division. It just didn't make any sense to me. I had a hard time solving division problems in isolation. And division story problems? Forget about it. Those made me completely shut down. I have a feeling that I'm not the only one out there who felt this way about division. Obviously, I know how to divide now, but it took a long time to get to a point of confidence and understanding. Longer than I think it should have. So if division brings up some unpleasant memories for you, know that you're not alone. But as I mentioned in episode one in discussing growth mindset, let's leave that negativity out of the conversation with our children so that they can build a growth mindset and believe that they can grow their brains and be successful at division. It's okay to say, wow, division was hard for me as a child too, but I practiced and learned new strategies and that helped me understand it better. For more ways to facilitate this growth mindset with your child, listen to episode one. Learning division is new for third graders. This is the first time that they are ever learning this concept, just like back in kindergarten when children learn to subtract for the first time. And division often doesn't come as naturally to our children as multiplication. So it's important to have patience and allow children the time they need to build understanding before they rush towards memorizing facts and solving problems fluently. In this episode, I'm going to break down how our third graders learn division, the strategies that they use for problem solving, and some ways that you as the parent or guardian can support your child with building understanding of division at home. I should mention two things before we dive into division in this episode. The first is that if you haven't already listened to episodes 15 and 16, I highly recommend going back and listening to those episodes first because they cover third grade multiplication in depth. Learning division in third grade builds directly on multiplication skills. So understanding how your child learns multiplication is very helpful for supporting them with division. The second thing is that this episode is not just for third grade parents and guardians. This episode is also very helpful for fourth grade families as well. We will be covering the division standards that are specific to third grade. These concepts lay the foundation for division of larger numbers in fourth grade, and then division of fractions and decimals in fifth grade and beyond. Division also sets an important foundation for fractions, which third graders and fourth graders learn about. Many fourth graders start the year without being completely fluent in their division facts within 100. So this episode is helpful for supporting your child in building that fluency, no matter what grade level they are in. For third grade multiplication and division, the biggest goal is to build deep conceptual understanding of the meaning of multiplication and division. Children will apply that that understanding to problem solving, 
But if they can walk away from the third grade year with a foundation of understanding of multiplication and division, then they will be set up for success. So what do our third graders need to know and be able to do in regards to division by the end of the year? Third graders need to be able to interpret the dividend, divisor, and quotient in whole number division equations. They need to be able to find the unknown whole number in a multiplication or division equation relating three whole numbers within 100. They also need to use the properties of operations to divide, as well as understand division as an unknown factor problem. Meaning that they can see a problem such as 5 times what equals 30, and know that they need to divide 30 by 5 to find the unknown factor. Third graders also need to be able to solve word problems involving multiplication and division, as well as multi-step word problems with all operations. There are more standards involved as well, but that's the big picture overview of third grade division. The big fluency standard for third grade is that by the end of the year, third graders should be able to fluently multiply and divide within 100 using strategies such as the relationship between multiplication and division or the properties of operations. For today's episode, we're going to focus on building understanding and fluency of division within 100. As third graders learn to divide, they follow a progression, just like they did with multiplication, and as children do when they're learning any new concept. They first start by modeling division problems using a concrete physical model with manipulatives like counters or cubes. Then, once they understand how to solve a problem using that model, they can move to a pictorial model where they would draw a picture to represent a division situation. Once a child understands how to model a problem with a physical model and a pictorial model, then they can move to a symbolic model where they would use numbers and symbols to solve. This symbolic phase of the progression is where you would find long division, the main strategy that many of us learned to use for division growing up. Let's look at what this progression might look like with the problem 24 divided by 4. First, a child would physically count out 24 counters, or cubes, or beans, pennies, Cheerios, you get the idea. They would solve the problem by putting those 24 counters into four piles, like dealing cards. So they would put one in each pile, and then another in each pile, all the way up until they put 24 counters into the four piles. Then they would count to make sure that they have equal groups, or an equal amount in each pile. Then they would count the number of counters in each pile to find the quotient, which is six. Children could also take their 24 counters, and put them into groups of four. Then they would count the total number of groups to find that there were six groups of four. So six is the quotient. Story problem contexts are very helpful for helping children understand which way to model a division problem. For example, if the problem says, Mateo picked 24 apples and put them into four baskets with the same number of apples in each basket, then you would model it using the first model I mentioned putting the counters into four piles. But if the problem says Mateo picked 24 apples and put them in bags to sell at his store with four apples in each bag, then you would model the problem using the second model I mentioned, where the 24 counters are divided into groups of four. From this physical model, children would move to a pictorial model where they could draw four large circles to represent the four piles. Then they would put dots or stars or circles into the large circles one at a time, 
until they get to 24, counting as they go. For example, one, two, three, four, now each pile has one. Then five, six, seven, eight, now each pile has two. Then nine, 10, 11, 12, each pile has three, and so on, all the way until they get to 24. This is more difficult than the physical model because children actually need to keep track of how many total dots they've used so far. Whereas in the physical model, they already counted out the 24 starting counters, so they know how many they've used and how many they have left. And they just keep dealing out those counters un until the pile of counters is gone, which assumes that they accurately counted 24 to begin with. The other pictorial model could look like children starting by drawing 24 dots, or stars or circles, and they draw them pretty close together on a piece of paper. Then they could circle groups of four to count to see how many groups of four they circled. Both of these pictorial models are more efficient than using those concrete physical counters. However, they do require a more sophisticated understanding of what's happening in a division problem. And they also require children to be neat and organized in their drawings and models. If they're sloppy and they can't see how many dots they drew, then this strategy quickly becomes an inaccurate one. I should mention that all the examples I just discussed for physical and pictorial models were based on an equal groups division model. But there are also problems that can be modeled using an array, where a child would arrange the 24 dots by dealing them out into four rows and count how many were in each row, or by arranging them into rows of four and counting how many rows they could make. The story problem context given to a child would help them determine which model to use. For more information on the difference between arrays and equal groups models, listen to episode 15. There are also other contexts that children might come across, such as measurement contexts for division, where children could model problem solving on a number line. For example, in the problem, Mr. Chen had 24 inches of ribbon. If he cut the ribbon into four equal pieces to use for bows on presents, then what is the length of each bow? A child could make a number line from 0 to 24 and then break it apart into four equal groups to see that each bow would be 6 inches. Another model that's helpful for this type of linear problem solving is called a bar model. A bar model is difficult to explain without a visual, so for more information, check out my website, mathcoachconnection.com. Once a child can model a problem using con a concrete physical model and a pictorial model, then they're likely ready to use a symbolic model, or just using numbers to solve the problem. The symbolic phase of the progression is where we would see the partial quotients method, and also the long division strategy that many of us are familiar with. It is important to remember that children work through these phases of the progression of understanding division at different paces. Some children will spend a lot of time in the physical modeling phase for problem solving while others might spend more time using a pictorial model, or other children may move quickly to a symbolic model. Sometimes, as numbers get larger or problems get more challenging, children might default back to using a physical model. And this is great. It's not a step backwards. It's actually children using math tools appropriately to help them build understanding and problem solve, which is one of the mathematical practice standards. For more on the math practice standards, listen to episode four. So let's talk about the strategies that our third graders will use to solve division problems. Some of the ways that they can build fluency, 
and how you as a parent or guardian can support them in solving division problems. The first strategy for division that third graders use is an equal groups model. I already mentioned this model when talking about the progression that children follow to learn division, so I won't repeat myself too much here. But just as a reminder, in this model, children start with the total number of objects or counters, and let's say the problem is 32 divided by four. They would start with 32 counters, then they would either deal out those 32 counters into four piles, like they're dealing cards, so there's an equal amount in each pile. Or they would separate all 32 counters into groups of four and count how many groups they made. This can extend into a model where a child draws a picture to solve. This strategy at its core is the most basic foundation of division, and it's one that children can go back to as needed. As I mentioned before, this strategy can also be modeled using an array, but it often starts as an equal groups model. To support this strategy at home, my best recommendation is to make sure that your child has access to counters at home. These can be cubes, beans, pennies, Cheerios, blueberries, puffballs, you get the idea. But oftentimes, children have access to counters or cubes in the classroom for problem solving, and then get home and don't have access to the same manipulatives. So it's helpful to provide them with some sort of hands-on problem-solving tool to use at home. Another way to support your child in using this strategy is to help them think about the story problem context of a division problem by working together to write a division story. This story can just be told aloud and doesn't actually have to be written down. Start by writing some division problems on a piece of paper. Use division problems that are based on basic multiplication facts, such as 12 divided by three, or 24 divided by four, or 15 divided by five, and so on. If you can't think of division facts to use, then just think of multiplication facts of one-digit factors, such as two times three, three times four, six times eight, and so on. Then use the inverse operation to write the division problem. With about 10 or so problems written down, let your child choose one problem. Let's say they choose 15 divided by five. Then you work together to think of a story that could represent that situation. For example, if you have 15 apples and put them into five baskets, or if you got uh, 15 Skittles and there were the same amount of each of five different colors, or if you were collecting seashells and you put them into five different bags or buckets with the same amount in each bag. Help your child think about a realistic story problem. For example, don't say, I had 15 cars and I put them in five garages. I mean, technically that is a division problem, but let's keep it relevant to our children's lives. Although if that's real for you and you have 15 cars, then wow, go right ahead and use that problem. Anyway, you get the idea. And you can either write the story or just say it aloud. Don't make your child write it since the goal is to work on division, not writing skills. Once you've written the problem, then you can help your child with those manipulatives to actually solve the problem using an equal groups model. The next strategy that third graders learn to use for division takes that equal groups model and gives students a tool for problem solving other than just using a bunch of counters or drawing a picture of a ton of dots. This strategy builds on that equal groups model, but makes it more efficient. The strategy is called repeated subtraction. 
In this strategy, children start at the starting number and then repeatedly subtract back the divisor until they get to zero. And then they see how many times they subtracted that divisor to find the quotient. Let's use the problem 28 divided by four. They would start at 28 and subtract four to get to 24, then subtract four to get to 20, then subtract four to get to 16, then subtract four to get to 12, four more to get to eight, subtract four more to get to four, and then that final four to get to zero. Then they would go back and see that they subtracted four seven times. So the quotient is seven. I know this sounds tedious. And for us as adults, we see that it's not the most efficient strategy. However, it helps children make a meaningful leap from using all the hands-on manipulatives to being able to solve a problem pictorial, pictorially and symbolically. Children can first start by modeling this using counters, just like they did in the first strategy, and then counting back four as they take away groups of four. Then they can move to a pictorial model. A number line is a great way to model this strategy because it really helps children keep track of the number of times they subtracted the divisor. From a number line, a child can move to a symbolic model where they would just write 28 minus four, and then 24 minus four and 20 minus four and so on. As I mentioned, it's not the most efficient strategy by any means, but it does help children see that division can be used, solved using a symbolic model. And it also helps them build on a skill they already know, which is subtraction. To support this at home, you can help your child work on their mental math subtraction skills. Since children should have been fluent in subtraction within 20 by the end of second grade, they should have a variety of subtraction strategies for subtraction within 100 as well. And so working on repeated subtraction will support them in using this strategy for division. You can play a game with your, your child called Zoom to Zero. This game can be played at home with a number line or it can be played on the go using mental math. To play, you as the parent or guardian choose a division problem within 100. Keep them small at first and choose problems that are closely related to basic multiplication facts. For example, choose a problem like 18 divided by three or 36 divided by four. Don't choose a problem like 58 divided by two or a problem that includes remainders. If you're having trouble thinking of a problem, just think of those basic one digit by one digit multiplication facts like I already mentioned, like two times six or five times eight, and then use the product of that problem as the starting number and one of the factors as the divisor. So let's say we use 18 divided by three. You take turns with your child subtracting three back from 18. So you start by saying 18, then your child says 15, then you say 12, then they say nine, then you say six, then they say three, then you say zero, and you say it nice and loud. The goal is to see which player gets to say zero. Take turns letting your child go first or having yourself go first so that there's an opportunity for both of you to say zero. The goal here is not to keep track of the number of times you subtracted back or to actually find the quotient of this problem. The goal is to support your child in accurately counting back by a number, which will help them build the skills they need to use this for solving division problems. You can use a number line to support your child, or like I mentioned, you can play this game using mental math. 
Another strategy that third graders learn for solving division problems is to use the properties of operations to divide. The properties of operations are not so much strategies as they are rules for division. It's important that children model these properties to understand why they work, but then to eventually understand that they apply to any and all problems, so that when they come across a problem like this, they know the answer without having to solve the problem. The first property is the identity property of one in division. This states that any number divided by one equals that number. So 24 divided by one is 24, and 92 divided by one is 92, and 3,754 divided by one is still 3,754, and so on. This makes sense conceptually because they're splitting that number into only one group. So there has to be the total amount in that group. Children also learn that any number divided by itself equals one. So 24 divided by 24 is one, and 92 divided by 92 is one, and 3,754 divided by 3,754 is also one. You get the idea. This also makes sense because if you take 3,754 counters and split them into 3,754 groups, then there would be one in each group. It would take forever to model that problem, and I would not recommend that anyone try it. But this is why children model this property with smaller problems, like 5 divided by 5 or 7 divided by 1, to learn why the property works so they can apply it to larger problems. Third graders also learn the zero identity property of division. This property states that zero divided by any number, except zero, equals zero. So 54 divided by zero is zero, and two divided by zero is zero, and one million divided by zero is zero, and so on. Think about it, if you take two objects and put them in zero groups, well, then there are zero in each group. Modeling this helps the light bulb turn on for students. The zero identity property also states that you cannot divide by zero. For example, if you have six fish and you put them into zero fish bowls, well then there's nowhere for the fish to go, so the problem is not possible. Modeling this with the story problem contexts helps children understand why this works. As I mentioned in the multiplication episode, when talking about the properties of operations, they may seem obvious to us as adults, but for children learning division, they need to learn why these operations work and be able to apply them to bigger problems. There's nothing specific that I recommend doing at home to support your child with these properties of division. However, if you notice that on homework, your child is struggling with a problem dividing by one or zero, then you can remind them of these properties and help them model it with a very small problem to support them in building understanding. The next division strategy that third graders learn to use is a very efficient one because it allows children to use an operation that they're more familiar with, multiplication, to help them solve a division problem. I use this example every time I talk about inverse operations, but it's like being on the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and being able to phone a friend for help. Children are basically phoning their good friend multiplication to help them solve division problems with this strategy. Children learn that multiplication and division are inverse operations, just like how addition and subtraction are inverse operations. So they learn that in a problem like, let's say, 4 times 6 equals 24, 
they can take that product and turn it into the dividend and then divide by one of the factors. So 24 divided by six equals four. Children do a lot of work with problems like this in what we call fact families. So technically, if children know all their multiplication of two one-digit number facts fluently, then they should be able to pretty quickly, quickly figure out the related division fact. A child basically reframes a division problem as a missing factor multiplication problem. So they would think six times what number equals 24? And if they know that six times four equals 24, then they have their answer. Even if they don't know the answers four, they can use a multiplication strategy such as skip counting or using smaller facts to solve the problem instead of actually using a division strategy. This strategy is very helpful in problem solving if the division problem is not related to a basic multiplication fact as well. For example, in the problem 56 divided by four, a child could think, hmm, four times what number equals 56 or is the same value as 56? Then they might think, okay, well, four times 10 is 40, and then I have 16 left. So four times four is 16. So altogether, I did four times 14 to get to 56. Children can use this multiplication to support division strategy by using hands-on manipulatives, by using a number line and adding up, by drawing a picture, but it also really lends itself to the symbolic model. Because once a child understands why this strategy works, a child can use multiplication strategies with numbers to help them solve for the answer of the division problem, which is the missing factor. This strategy connects to another strategy, which basically takes this idea and refines it a bit into a problem-solving strategy that can be applied to bigger problems with larger numbers. The strategy is called partial quotients. To be honest, this strategy is more of a fourth grade strategy that's used when the numbers get larger and when there are remainders. But some third graders do get to the point where they use this strategy, so it's important to mention. In the partial quotient strategy, a child takes a division problem that they do not know the answer to and solves it using multiplication. It's best to explain it with an example. So let's look at the problem 96 divided by four. Most third graders would not just know the answer to that problem. A child would set this problem up in a similar way to long division, where they would write the dividend and then a line that sort of looks like the hangman symbol with the divisor on the left. This line just helps to organize the child's work. So first, they would multiply four by familiar numbers to see how close they can get to 96. So a child might start with, let's say, four times 10 and they'd put 10 over on the right side, and then they'd subtract 40, which was the product of four times 10, from the total 96 to see that they have 56 left. Then they could multiply four times 10 again and subtract 40 more from 56 to see that they only have 16 left. They would also record that 10 on the right side. Then they see that they have 16 left and they might just know four times four is 16. So they subtract 16 to get to zero and record the four on the right side. They add together all the numbers that they multiplied four by that they wrote on the right side. So 10 plus 10 plus four, which is 24. So 24 is the quotient because they multiplied four times 24 to get to 96. 
if a child cannot get to zero and there's a number left at the end that's smaller than the divisor, they should first check their work for accuracy. But then also that could mean that there's a remainder. As children build confidence with this strategy, they look for even more efficient ways to problem solve. Such as in this problem, they might have seen that instead of doing four times 10 and then four times 10 again, they could have started with four times 20, which would be 80. Then they would just be left with 16 and they could do the four times four to get to 16. They solved the problem in only two steps here instead of three steps like I mentioned before. For a visual model and more information on the partial quotient strategy, go to mathcoachconnection.com. This strategy can be extended into much larger numbers and with two-digit divisors as well. For example, a fourth grader might use this strategy to solve 1,456 divided by eight. And a fifth grader might use this strategy to solve 8,904 divided by 21. To support children with this strategy at home, Focus on missing factor problems to help children see the relationship between multiplication and division so that they can apply this from smaller problems to larger problems. You can play a little game of find the missing factor. If you give your child a multiplication problem, such as four times five equals 20, but instead of asking them for the product or the answer like four times five equals what, you set it up as a missing factor problem. So you would say four times what number equals 20 and then have them solve for the missing factor. You can do this with any one digit by one digit problem within 100. You can do this game at home where your child has access to materials they could use such as counters, beans, puffballs, Cheerios, and so on. And they would solve by making groups of four all the way until they get to 20 instead of starting at that 20 and then making groups of four. You see how we're using multiplication instead of division, but still finding that same answer, which is the missing factor. Or your child might be ready to play this game with a drawing or on paper with numbers. So they could solve smaller problems to get to the larger problem. And like I mentioned in the, ep in the multiplication episode, using those smaller problems to help them get to a larger problem is a great strategy. They also, you can have your child choose the problem that they want to give to you so they can think about a multiplication problem like let's say three times four equals 12 and then they give you the missing factor problem. So they would say four times what equals 12. They will love that they get to challenge you to find the missing factor. And actually by having your child create a missing factor problem, they're continuing to practice this concept. You can also do this on the go in the car, on the bus or train, and have your child use mental math or give them a piece of paper to use. The partial quotient strategy is a great bridge to using long division. It's more concrete than long division because it actually shows the total amount being subtracted. And it helps children keep track of what the divisor was multiplied by using an actual number, not just the number in a place value spot. Using long division requires a sophisticated understanding of not only division, but of place value as well. Children will likely learn long division in fourth grade and will use it for dividing decimals in fifth grade. Although technically it's not in the standards until sixth grade. At the third grade level, long division is not a strategy that most children are ready to conceptually understand. And if they use this strategy too early, before they've built enough conceptual understanding to actually understand it, 
then it can lead to a lot of confusion later on as they try to apply that strategy to larger numbers and to decimals. My best recommendation at the third grade level isn't something to do at home, it's something not to do. Try not to show your child long division yet. Or if you do, you can mention that it's one way to solve a division problem, but that they have many other ways to solve the problem as well. Oftentimes our children want to solve a problem as fast as they can, sometimes losing accuracy and understanding along the way. And they usually think that the standard algorithm for multiplication and long division are cool if math can be cool, because they've usually seen their older siblings or parents using it. So at this point, focus on conceptual understanding. If your child isn't understanding a problem on homework, have them model the problem. Ask them if there's a different strategy they can try. If a child still isn't understanding a story problem, you can always default back to the physical model phase because that can help your child model to figure out what's happening. You also can always act out those problems too. One final strategy that I will mention that you might see your child using for division is a strategy where they actually break apart the dividend to divide. This strategy is based on the distributive property of multiplication and similar to the way they used it for multiplication. Listen to episode 16 for more on that. This is just the inverse. Instead of using multiplication to support division, in this strategy, children break a large division problem apart into two smaller problems. In this strategy, a child could take a problem like 56 divided by eight and break apart the 56 into two smaller numbers that are divisible by eight. For example, they could break it apart into 40 divided by eight and 16 divided by eight. And then they could see that 40 divided by eight is five and 16 divided by eight is two. Then add together the two quotients, five and two, to get to seven. So 56 divided by eight is seven. This strategy can be applied to larger problems. For example, 156 divided by six. They could break it apart into 120 divided by six and 36 divided by six. To see that 120 divided by six is 20 and 36 divided by six is six. So all together, 156 divided by six is 26. It's important for children to model this strategy first using an array or counters to see why it works, then by drawing a picture, then by solving it symbolically. If children don't know why this strategy works, then they may inaccurately break apart the dividend or have trouble keeping track of the parts. But once a child understands how to use this strategy, they can use it as a very efficient problem-solving strategy at the third grade level. This is not a strategy that every third grader will use because for some, breaking apart the dividend may be much more confusing than just using partial quotients and relying on multiplication to solve division problems. So I don't have any specific at-home practice activities to try. But for more information on this strategy, visit my website at mathcoachconnection.com. I hope this episode was helpful for giving you valuable background information on how your third or fourth grader will learn to divide, the strategies that they will use for problem solving, and how you as the parent or guardian can support them at home. Remember that there are a lot more strategies out there that your child might try. These are just some of the main ones. Always communicate with your child's teacher to see if there's a specific strategy or area that would be helpful to focus on with your child. 
Otherwise, you can try any of the ideas I mentioned today because they will all benefit your child in building division fluency and problem-solving skills. If you haven't already listened to episodes 15 and 16, I highly recommend listening to those for some great information on third grade multiplication. And stay tuned for episodes 18 and 19 to see where your child is headed next with multiplication and division in fourth grade. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Dog Ate My Homework. Be sure to follow my podcast for more episodes and check out mathcoachconnection.com for more information and resources.